just a review for anybody who's catching up. You know, we're looking at this this book, kind of giving it a bit of a, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it a thorough review, but a good discussion uh, from Beth Severson. Uh, not done yet. Reaching and keeping unchurched emerging adults. So she's found these bright spot churches that seem to be really good at reaching unchurched emer- emerging adults, or what she in these chapters they're calling formerly unchurched emerging adults hmm. um, who are now churched. And one of the secrets has been that these churches involve young adults. So in- involving, contributing before committing. So, I mean, the basic premise of this chapter is that, like, don't wait for them to become, not everybody's on the same continuum and, and journey in, or linear journey in faith in Christ. So they don't need to be a believer in Christ before they have a sense of belonging and are contributing in community. That may happen actually later. You don't have to be saved to serve. There you go. That's, that is, that is like super She petty. summed it up at one point kind of like that. Yeah. Um, you know, which is, yeah, which is a great point. Um, she opens the chapter talking about this young adult going through a crisis and who reaches out to a friend who happens to be a youth pastor who invites this young adult to get involved with the youth ministry and be part of their community. And I think that was a, that was a great, a great analogy. And, you know, the kind of thing, obviously you and I are trying to do as we engage with young adults in our church, um, is to try to quickly invite young adults into, you know, involvement into being a part of um, things at the church. Um, but not too fast, because I'm yeah. not trying to scare them away. But sometimes they just like jump in or like involved and you're like, whoa, I didn't, I, you just started going to church here. And now you're like running the cameras on Sunday morning. Like what, what, what happened? I actually had a conversation today with a, with a young adult that's been a part of our church for five years now, maybe on yeah, five years. And I just said, why have you stayed around? Like you got out of school and you're still here and you're bringing friends to church and stuff. Like why our church? What is it about it? Like what? um, And he just started from when he came on as a volunteer and then an intern and like different things along. And it was just super, I don't think there's a formula to like encapsulate and then make somebody else swallow that pill. And then like, they're going to be a part of your church forever. I think it was just his journey. Um, But it was definitely one of, he got to be a part of a place where he was contributing. Now he was already a believer. He's, he's going to be a believer. Um, he's, he's very much a, a disciple seeking to grow in his faith in, in, in Christ. Um, I, but I, I just found it interesting. He could go to any other church in the area and he was done with school. He was done with his internships. The only reason he's staying a part of our church is because he wants to, why is that? And so I'm just kind of, learning more about that that from him um chris something that that probably my big takeaway um uh incomplete sentence that i highlighted in this chapter is on page 94 it says what reaches young people is giving them an opportunity to contribute not necessarily to join a cause i've had one-on-one conversations and read a lot of things over the years of like whether it's millennials or Gen Z of like, they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. I think that's true. I think it's true for a lot of people, a lot of generations, Um, but they want to be a part of something that makes a difference and they need a cause. And if you have a cause and it's, it's, you know, whether, you know, it fits in a category of social justice or just helping other people in some way, like they're going to want to be a part of that. And I've heard that as kind of the thing on, on a hardcore end of it, of like, 
every young adult you talk to, you need to like give them a hard line challenge of you need to be giving your life away to something that matters and like, like cause it out like all the way. But I'm not seeing that played out in every young adult's life that I'm in community with of like, that's, that's what they're after. Do they want to contribute though, in some way and be a part of, of, of something where, you know, their presence is like making a difference and, 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 and is a part of the, the fabric of life. I, I think I boil that down to the community. Every young adult that I've met, they're not saying it necessarily, but they're looking for a place where there's other people their age that they can relate, but they don't want just other people their age, especially in a church worship setting. Um, But the ones that stay around have discovered a way or been invited to contribute um, into community. That has been my experience. And I really resonate. I actually made a note here um in the chapter that it's it may be about a cause but it's definitely about inviting young adults to contribute yeah yeah i would agree with that that i i don't think you know you just throw out some grandiose vision and a cause to be a part of and young adults automatically sign up and jump and uh, i would say it's more like what you're saying it's as as they get engaged in community, they do like the idea that they can plug in, they can serve, they can contribute in some way, especially if it's, if it helps give them a sense of identity and mission and belonging. And certainly like I talked to one of our young adults who is leading a small group in the youth ministry. And I asked him, you, you know, about that experience and why he does that. And he said, well, you know, part of it, he's spiritually mature and he wants to kind of give back to students, to younger students and help them. Um, But I think part of it also is that the youth ministry, the volunteer culture in the youth ministry has a very good sense of community and belonging. And it's fun to be a part of that. It's it's fun to have this group that you feel like you're all kind of in this thing together. Um, And then, you know, these, a few young adults that we've kind of recruited to get involved with helping us serve coffee on Sunday mornings. And a few of them have taken an interest in, you know, learning a little bit more about the barista craft, so to speak, and how to pull a shot and steam milk and create a a good, you know, latte of sorts, or even a cortado, maybe. Um, You know, that's been fun because you can tell they're excited about, hey, this is a really cool way to kind of contribute and to give back. I think young adults, and again, sometimes this this sounds weird to even hear it come out of my head because I'm a 50 year old, you know, white dude or whatever. I don't know what white has to do with it, but you are white. Um, I can tell. I am. I am white. I'm definitely whited out with this light right here. But as um, bad as it looks. But sometimes when I hear myself say things, I'm like, uh, what authority do I have to say what young adults do or don't, you know, want or whatever? But I have been hanging out with them quite a bit, and I do get the sense that if they feel like their contribution is valued, if they feel like they're, they're given, um, and this to me is one of these bright spot things, a church that will value a young adult and say, you know, we, we would love to have you be part of what we're doing. We would love to give you some responsibilities, some, you know, give you access, give you a a sense of, um, I don't know, you know, leadership and engagement. Um, I think those 
to me, I, that's what I'm seeing the, our young adults that do seem to be connected and plugged in. Now, what I would say about my own church locally, I don't see a lot of unchurched young adults that are just kind of wandering in and within a few weeks to get plugged into something that that is not something i'm seeing happen in my own church so i don't know that we would qualify as a bright spot for for uh her her research but i do like that idea of not you know she talks about i thought this was good basically this the scenarios the ways in which typical church culture sometimes works against this involvement piece is that often we have this idea, oh, a visitor ought to be able to like just sort of kick back and experience church and worship and not have to serve. So sometimes I think we protect new folks from having to serve or we like wait a certain amount of time until we ask them, oh, if you could help, you know, be a greeter or parking lot, whatever. Um, the other thing is fear of giving volunteers some influence without enough training. Yeah. But that piece keeps some from, from doing this. And then also just that sense that, well, we only give people the right to serve once they've demonstrated some skills or once they've earned it, you know, they've earned a place at that table, so to speak. So mm. I thought that was good that she pointed out these are the ways in which churches sometimes shoot themselves in the foot, so to speak, um, and don't do this. And honestly, I could see people being nervous about, because the story that she starts the chapter with is giving somebody, or maybe it was a later story in the chapter, uh, basically an unchurched, someone who doesn't know Christ yet, um, you know, helping to co-lead a small group. There are definitely yeah. churches and ministry things I've been a part of where that that would probably not happen. Um, you know, because we, we can be protective about like who gets into leadership or who does this or that. Um, well, but again, we should be discerning the safeguards. Yeah. That's, yeah. And she right. talks about the safeguards. Like you're not going to give that person full access. They're not going to be the sole leader of a group. Um, but to be an apprentice, you know, so to speak with someone, I mean, it kind of makes perfect sense that that could be part of their journey to Christ is to, um, and this fits with the whole idea of, hey, let, you know, let people belong before they believe, you know, let mm-hmm. um, people try on, she keeps saying, like, try on Christianity, try on Christian practices, try some of this stuff on before taking on the full identity of, of being a Christian. Uh, so it's good stuff. I mean, you yeah, gave a good overview. Good. Um, in chapter eight, investing the church is here for you. Uh, you know, I cherry pick the things that I like pay attention to in chapters and then I highlight them and go back and look at them and everything. But for me, one of the one of the soapboxes that I found and then resonated with in this chapter is um, if you aren't having conversations about young adults uh, locally with your church and what it looks like to to practice hospitality for young adults, like that young adults would be welcoming your church congregation, um, your worship settings or small groups or whatever. Um, then yeah, you, you may not have any young adults there. Uh, how are you investing in such a way so that young adults would feel welcome and, and um, the low hanging fruit there in my experience has been young adults are looking for other young adults. So if there aren't any other young adults around, they're going to notice that like immediately. And then they're going to go, oh, I'm not sure if I really belong here, unless there's something already like set up to be like, Hey, if you're a young adult, 
you know, we want to welcome you in this area or there's these opportunities here. And then they go, oh, somebody was thinking about me. I want a young adult that doesn't show up on a Sunday morning um, to know that there was something for them on Sunday mornings with our church, even if they weren't there. I want them to know that they could have connected with something, not for like a FOMO thing or a, a guilt thing, but just a, there was something for me if I was going to be there. And I, and, and I knew that. I think that's something every church can do really easily. I think I jumped the gun actually I stole a story from chapter eight when I was just talking about chapter seven but this example of a group leader who invited the emerging adult to help co-lead that was actually in this in this Perfect. chapter no one no one knew that until you said something Chris and now they don't until listening to this and we're in chapter eight right now yeah segway. and I do think segway. a critical step for churches is to not just use young adults to fill spots right you know to like serve in this or that but this chapter to me takes it to the next level of you want to invest in young adults. Um, so to continue their training and develop them and not just be like, oh, sweet, you're taking care of that. Good. Now I don't have to worry about it. Because um, I do hear a lot of young adults who get frustrated, like with jobs they have right now, um, where they just feel like they've been thrown into something. They haven't gotten the, enough training, um, you know, whether it's serving at a restaurant or, you know, I heard from another young adult who just graduated and is in like some kind of clinical program for a year, but her supervisor is just terrible and is not helping her figure out anything about the job. So I think, you know, that's very frustrating for young adults yeah. to feel like no one cares enough about them to help them do what they're doing well or to help them grow and develop in it. And to me, this leads right into the mentoring you know, kind of conversation, because um, I think if we're not willing to really invest and mentor young adults, they may serve and help and give back for a little while, but I don't think they're going to have this long-term sense of, of belonging and engagement, you know, with the church if we don't continue to invest in them. Um, so I do like this emphasis. Um, she talks about three traditional things that are always part of mentorship, which I thought was good. Um, basically, you've got someone with greater experience and wisdom, the mentor. Uh, you've got them providing some level of guidance and you end up with kind of mutual trust or basically an emotional bond. Those are three major components of mentoring. Um, but she also added a couple of things that she thought was important um, that came out of, I think, Fuller Youth Ministry stuff with Kara Powell and, and some of the Fuller Youth people, but um, adding these two components, helping young adults reach their goals and aspirations. And to me, that is this investment piece. And then accountability, holding them accountable, um, which, you know, sometimes I think we can think that accountability is like a heavy good cop, bad cop kind of experience for people. But I think accountability really does show a level of, of care. Uh, so, and that's why I think it's it's important, even when sometimes... I might think as a dad sometimes, like, oh, I'm not so sure my, you know, 18-year-old wants to be held accountable. But in this particular environment, as far as mentoring stuff, I, I think those were all good. And I think, um, you know, we've had conversations about mentoring before and how mentoring seems to work best in a very informal way. As soon as you identify a relationship as a mentoring relationship, you could often kill it, you know, mess it up. Right. Um, and I know you talk about the reverse mentoring kind of stuff that goes on, which makes it, you know, good for 
you know, both sides of the equation. But anyway, I thought it was a pretty good conversation there on, on mentoring. I, I think intentional mentoring is, it, I don't think it's not a bad thing. I think it can be a, a really good thing too. It's just when I, I found in the times where I've tried to like, hey, mentoring is a really good thing. And so we're going to make you do it. When that happens that way, then it's kind of more like, oh, this feels like homework. Um, however, when you have a specific job or role or contributing way, or like you need trained in something, um, I want a mentor. I want somebody to invest in me. And my experience has been young adults want someone that they can go to, to bounce ideas off of, to troubleshoot, to figure out how to navigate a system. Um, and so this is one of the things I'm really excited about with Shepherd that has begun with the fellows this year is that they have staff mentors and it's a group mentoring thing. It's once a month, it's two men from the staff, two women from the staff. And then they meet with all the guys, the guys meet with the guys and women meet with the women once a month. And they do some very intentional, like these are staff mentors at Shepherd and they're here to help you navigate the system of Shepherd. And you can ask them questions and problems you run into, whether it's interpersonal or it's logistics or it's time off or whatever. And, and so I think maybe even in a church setting, that kind of happens more informally where you're volunteering in tech or worship or youth or small groups or coffee bar or whatever. And then the person who oversees that department is kind of the person that invests in you. And then there can be some informal mentoring that kind of springs out of the contribution that the young adults are, are, are making. Um, but if you just throw a young adult in a coffee bar and they go, and you go, Hey, I, I believe in you. I haven't trained you at all, but you, you, you can figure it out. You smelled coffee before. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, and then they're like, I don't know. How hard I can do. it be? I, yeah, I, I thought this was a good, I do like coffee. I thought this was a good idea. I have no idea how to do this. And everyone's really frustrated with me. They just wanted, they wanted training. They wanted to be taught. And so in, in mentoring like that, I think it's really important to have people that are going to like journey with you, do it with you, give you a chance to do it, let you do it, be available for like, hey, let me know if you have any questions and then let you fly kind of and, and operate in your own armor to, to like make a cup of coffee or to lead that class or, or whatever. And it's not just a, I trained you once and showed you how to do it. That's what UPS was like for me last year. I showed you how to do it once. How come you don't know how to do it? Well, because I suck. Okay. And I don't learn stuff fast and I need hands on and throwing me in with one water wing uh, was not the way for me to learn best. I'm so sorry. Everyone else around me is much better than I am. That's how, that's kind of how I, during the holiday during the holiday season yeah but thanks for being out there and delivering all the christmas presents to everybody so yeah i have some baggage but i just i enjoy i the the informal mentoring comes when you have sometimes when you have some formal training about something else completely no i go back sometimes to uh some things i learned at starbucks um in training and coaching you know new new employees at starbucks new baristas um, the tell, show, do model, you know, where you, you know, first I'm going to tell you what we do. Now I'm going to show you, and this works really well, of course, with certain things. Um, and then I'm going to let you do it and I'll, you know, observe, but basically that, that idea. Um, now I've, I've had trouble translating that into like discipleship into like, you know, faith integration with, you know, a young adult Mm. like okay let me tell you how about an experience i had let me you know you know come with me that's not a one-for-one transfer for sure no 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 
Um, but conceptually, I think there is some some helpful stuff there. But I do think the crucial piece is that once once we hand it over, so to speak, or we ask someone to do something, is not to just abandon them, but to yeah. be engaged with them um, and in a supportive role. One of the things I got from both of these chapters, I think I noticed a couple of things here and there, is just how important positive affirmation is, how important mm. speaking speaking, you know, words of positive stuff, even like eternal destiny kind of stuff. And sometimes I steer clear of, and this doesn't come naturally to me to just, you know, hang out with somebody and say, oh my goodness, I, God is going to do blank in your life, you know, or God is, I see God doing amazing things, or sometimes I'm a little bit too realistic, you know, and, you know, I may be thinking like, well, man, I don't know if this is your gig or not. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, but I do think I need to do more of that, just affirming young adults and and helping them know that, oh, man, you're awesome. I really see God doing great things in your life. Because, um, I mean, that is true. Because if it's up to God, um, yeah, we can trust that God can do <laughs> amazing things, you know, through anybody. So it's not like we're just making stuff up. But there were just a few times where I thought like, oh man, this reminds me of the power of, of just speaking, I I think, godly uh, love and affirmation and hope and destiny and things like that. I think we need to do more of speaking those things into the lives of young adults um, just to help, I don't know, encourage them, overcome any sense of, you know, a lack of confidence and security all those kinds of things um or even the hopelessness like we started off in the culture mm-hmm. corner talking about there are things about the world right now that you know uh college age young adults could be fairly pessimistic or hopeless about um but if we continually speak hope speak god's hope god's truth what god is up to and speak that into their lives uh, that was encouraging for me that was a good thing i just kind of ticked off from my own professional development in working with college-age young adults. I need to do more of that. Yeah, good. So we involve and we invest. And my takeaway from this episode is tell, show, do. Because I rambled on about that for like five minutes and you just summarized it in three simple words. Tell, show, and do. Um, Cool, man. That's good stuff. That's the way I like to be led. It's that's the way I like to to lead others. And I think the other one, the other two, just wrap up thought is is where she said in there, not all young adults are going to connect with a really big cause, but most everybody would really like to contribute to something. So, do we have opportunities for people to connect and and contribute to something? I think that's important. But, well, yeah. um, this generation wants to make a difference more than they want to make a living. That's that's that was- a great little hotline out of the reading too it was a good it was a good little quote um i don't know if it applies to everyone all the time but i know some i know some 20 somethings who are really concerned about making a living right now you know (laughs) yeah same same so yeah well we're ready to hang out chris until next time fail forward hey be present and be teachable peace see ya We'll